Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance Podcast. I'm Dave Goose Mills. I'm Dusty Shadow Parker. I'm Ryan Quack Baker. Awesome. All right, guys, we got Quack with us again, finishing up what he started last week. And he's given us his 12 points for being the the fathers that we should be, right? For being better dads. Uh, he's got a real burden for working with youth. And I love that he's bringing that, you know, kind of a youth ministry orientation into men's ministry, into men's alliance. So, you know, our mission statement is uh, sharpening men to be the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. And, you know, such an important part of what we do and why we're here is to be better fathers, is to be better dads. So this is right on with our mission. And if you if you haven't heard our previous podcast with our first six of these points, go back and listen to that. Today we're picking up on uh, point number seven on our role as as fathers. So Quack, take it away, brother. Pick us up on number seven. All right, number seven: honest and sincere. Do you model honesty even when it's hard? Also, integrity. The definition of that doing what is right even when no one is looking mm. another another great saying that i learned just recently is taking the hard right over the easy wrong yeah uh, just another quote that's just awesome this is live with nothing to hide nothing to prove nothing to fear and nothing to lose you know as fathers we need to teach our children to live all out for god and then also in the, in our lives, if we if we really dive in and we commit our life um, to Christ, you know, at night we can put our head down on the pillow and have a good night's sleep because our conscience is clear. King yeah, David Wright. Sorry. No, I was just uh, I was just echoing that. Yeah. King That's... David Wright. <laughs> Sorry. <about that. laughs> no, go ahead and finish. Um, King David writes in Psalms 55, 23, a deceitful man will not live out half their days. Wow. That integrity, man. That's the whole meaning. You know, integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. It's hard. It is hard to do the right thing when no one's looking, I think, for, you know, for me personally, because you don't, you can, if you don't do the right thing, who's going to know, you know, you can almost make yourself believe that well i didn't i didn't do the wrong thing either you know Mm. i was talking about what's on tv i was flipping through and it's it stopped on the um the hangover part two Mm -hmm. and right where they were just coming out of somewhere and one of the characters was like i can't believe i did whatever and he was the other character was saying hey it's okay i do messed up stuff all the time but we just forget about it and it never happened 
know? Mm. So that's just, it's okay. It never happened. Just forget about it. You know? And that's like the opposite of integrity. And that's what, and it's also a lie, right? You can't forget about it. It did happen. Right. And it'll haunt you. Yeah. So it's like, it's, that's, that's not doing, you know, doing the right thing when no one's looking. That's, you know, that's, I think the lack of integrity is having that kind of mindset. You know, this point of being honest and sincere is I think about this is so vital to being real, right? Part of our motto is tribal, rugged, real. And this is how you be real, right? You be honest and sincere. Yeah. Right. So the only reason why a guy would not be honest or sincere is if he is trying to convince you that he has no problems, right? No faults. Yeah. That he's perfect, that he's, he's doing fine. Right. Oh, everything's good. Well, that's not honest or sincere. That's like one of the biggest reasons I think that you say why you, that motivated you to start men's Alliance for sure. All the, all the fakeness in small groups. Yeah. Like everybody says they're fine and nobody's talking about their real struggles. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that I love most about men's Alliance. Yeah. We're real. We're going to be honest and sincere. So it's the way, you know, we've, we've got one of our earliest podcasts. It's, it's one of our most popular ones. It's talking about being a lighthouse, right? Lighthouse versus a shipwreck. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the difference is a lighthouse is honest yeah. about where the rocks are. Yeah. And it's it's turning around and it's putting a spotlight on on the um maybe maybe the things that caused you to trip up in yeah. your life. And instead of hiding it and pretending like you're all fine, it's like turn around illuminate it for yeah. your for your children and for your so, sons and daughters yeah. and be like, This is how dad messed up. And, you know, age appropriate, right, right. You know, as they get older, be like, Hey, this stuff will trip you up. It tripped me up. Here's what you can do. Here's what I've learned. And then we're being honest and sincere and we're being men of integrity, not just men who pretend like we're, we're perfect. Right. Because it's so freeing when you can be real and it helps you be better because if you're just so used to being fake and living a lie, what's to motivate you to stop living that way, you know? when you can actually be real and, you know, confess certain things to your, your brothers that train you to confess things to your families, you know, you mm-hmm. can actually, you know, be a better man. Yeah, absolutely. So the question on this one is, are you modeling honesty and sincerity in your life? Number eight, being accountable. Our youth and our children must be disciplined, mentored, and instructed under the direction of godly influences. So what does that look like? So obviously, the easiest thing we can do is live our life um, according to the, the Bible as best we can, and then also make sure that our kids are involved in a youth group. And then also the church that we attend, you know, is it a Bible-preaching church? Does it stand on the doctrine of, of what the Bible says and not what the world says? We must teach them to accept responsibility for their actions. So I got two, two stories I want to share. Uh, about a month ago, my son got in trouble, and I had him uh, write a full-page apology letter to the student that was involved. Um, he had done something to a student, and so my son is seven years old, so writing is very difficult for him right now. Mm. At the end of it, he said, Daddy, my hand hurts. 
And um, I said, but and then I asked him what he learned, and then he basically recited um, what we had talked about. And you know, I hope that in his life he'll go back and you know, even though he's seven, almost eight now, that, that he'll remember that moment or something. Hmm. Well, that's Isn't powerful. It? Yeah. You know, this is such an important part of the um, the patch class training that we that we do in Men's Alliance um, is working on mentoring and instructing under you know to use your words right direction of godly influence yeah right so as dads we can't outsource our kids uh, spiritual training to the youth pastor. Right. Right. You don't get to yeah. drop your kids off once a week and, and then just kind of wash your hands of it and think, Oh, I did my job. I got them to youth group. They're yeah. all good. Cause I'm telling you what, they're going to be playing a lot of dodgeball and eating a lot of pizza. Yeah. And then they're going to go off to their state university where the wolves are yeah. and they're going to get destroyed. They're going to go to their middle school yeah. and their high school. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so, man, I love what you're talking about here. Quack, um, about it's our job as fathers to put that knowledge in them to, to teach them, right. Teach them what, what we believe and why, and put a little intellectual rigor into our faith and our Christianity. One of the things that kills me is how parents will say things. They'll they'll brag on their kids for being in AP classes and they're taking uh, microbiology and AP chemistry and they're bragging on their kids. And then when it comes to teaching your kids about anything about defending their faith or apologetics, they say, Oh, well, kids aren't interested in that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, the same kid that's in advanced AP everything. Right. Right. So I think we have this tendency to, as dads, especially we excuse ourselves, right? We pass the buck um, on this, heavy, heavy responsibility that we have as dads to train our kids in what they believe and why. Yeah. And the why is important because they're going to have these questions. And if we haven't taught this, if we've just outsourced it to uh, youth groups, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And we're going to be wondering why our kids walked away from, walked away from Christianity. Right. And it'll be our fault, right? We can't blame the public school system or the church, right? It's, it's our job. We're the dads. Quack. How long did that take for your <laughs> son to write that letter? Um, about 45 minutes. Yeah. See, that's what I like. And that's what, what I wanted to point out. Like disciplining your kids takes time. That's why it's so easy to just shove things under the rug. Cause you're like, I don't have the time or energy to that's deal so with true. this. You know, so it's like take 35 minutes out of the rest of your and your kid's life as something that they can will look back on and remember forever. You know what I mean? Hopefully it will make that kind of an impact. Maybe not this one will, but the next one might or the next one might, you know, like take the time. Discipline takes time. You know, Quack, I'll use your job as an example here for our listeners, right? So you're a you're a firefighter by trade, you know, and you just, you know, for our listeners, just think about whatever your job is. Yeah. If you saw a big problem at your job and you just said, Oh, I don't have like the time or energy to handle that. Yeah. Right. That would be shameful. And somebody would call you out and they'd be like, do your, do your job. Right. Right. 
But then, like, to your point. it's going to happen again. If to you your don't. point is, like, we, yeah. we don't want to discipline our kids because we're like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever. I'll just want to sweep with, it under yeah, the rug. Yeah, I've been dealing with problems all day at work. Maybe you know? we need an mm-hmm. inner voice that says, do your job. Yeah. This is, this is our job. Right. Right. This is more important than whatever your day job is. If you've yeah. got a, a kid, that's your job. Right. So the, uh, the, the other story, um, this one deals with my daughter. She did something. I won't get into all the details, but um, she did something that she knew that she shouldn't do, shouldn't do. So um, I told her uh, our, we have some land that we obviously where we live, and there's some pretty steep hills. So we went to the back of the property, and I told her she owed me 25 hill sprints, probably 30 yards, 35 yards worth of running, and um, and she was upset about it. She she was. Her arms are crossed all the way down the driveway, <laughs> but she takes off running. And my daughter, uh, you guys, I know you don't know her, but she's um, she's a runner, and um, I'm, I'm bragging on her. She won the the county title in the 800 um, for for our county over here in, in North Carolina, which is totally awesome. Proud of her for that. But anyway, so she gets back there. She, her nerves are all worked up. She takes off running. She starts to hyperventilate, yeah. and. She gets the number five, and then I start running with her, and I do the last twenty with her. And as we're we're running, both of both of our kids, uh, we started them in karate, and which is a really good thing. Obviously, it, it teaches discipline. Well, there's fudokoshis, and um, we started going through all those fudokoshis, one through ten, is all what we did. And um, what are they? And, what what are they called? It's the Fudokoshi is just the guiding principles of karate. It just basically, you know, um, karate stands on the side of justice, mentality over technique, okay. heart must be free, all these different things. So they're just kind of like lessons. Okay. As we're running these 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 sprints up and down this hill, um, I'm talking to her about it, and she she starts to calm down and um, she starts getting her wind back because when I started running with her, I was almost dragging her up the hill. Yeah. And um, by the end of it, you know, she was, we were racing each other up the hill. And when we got done, we walked, we walked back down and I told her, I said, I'm trying not to get choked up here. But anyway, um, I told her, I said, you know, you ran 25, um, hill sprints and I ran 20. And I said, do you know why I did that? And she was like, no, I don't. And I said, well, the first five, were all on you because you chose to make that bad choice. The last 20 I ran with you is because I didn't prepare you to make the right choice at that time. So it was my punishment. And she just started crying right then. Yeah. Wow, man. She's never going to forget that. Yeah. Holy smokes. What a, what a great example of, um, being accountable and not outsourcing the godly direction of our kids, man. I'm so glad you shared that story. I mean, we can just end the podcast right there. I guess. Done. <laughs> See, I would have had to do, I made her run 20 and me only five. <laughs> You're like, you know why I did that? <laughs> because I am out of shape. <laughs> man, that's, that's such a great, um, you know, example that you're setting for your kids, Quack. That's awesome. All right, man. Number nine. All righty. Humility. 
Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. We must look at ourselves in a way that says we still have much to learn. We are unworthy of God's grace. We should show humility to those in our lives and model grace. You know, this thing that just pops in my mind about like probably with my kids, the way that I have, I'd be curious to hear their answer to this. But my thought on how I've shown the most humility is probably by going to my kids and apologizing. Mm-hmm. That that takes a lot of humility as the dad. Like when you know you screwed something up. Like when yeah. I lost my temper and said something I shouldn't have or overreacted to something. And then I have to humble myself and go to them and, and then ask for forgiveness. But then I'm also, I'm like modeling to them how to apologize kind of without, without having to say it. But that requires a lot of humility. Dads, you go up to your kid and you're like, Hey, listen, I was wrong the other day. I lost my temper. I shouldn't have said that stuff to you. I was overreacting. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Um, That's something I had to learn to do myself because it was, that wasn't done very much to me. You know, my dad hardly ever apologized for, you know, any loss of temper or anything like that. So of course that's how, you know, when I would do it, I was like, no, that's going to make me look weak, you know, or whatever. And it's definitely gotten easy. Like I can apologize to my kids without a second thought now. Thankfully, I don't lose my temper or anything too much. But, you know, when I know I've wronged my kids or made them feel a certain way that they didn't deserve, I'll, uh, you know, I'll definitely apologize to them. Yeah, that's an awesome example, Goose, for sure. Um, So the question is, is humility part of your life? Number 10, holiness. Holiness is simply put as a condition of the heart. It isn't something you do, but it's who you are. So in, in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And then in Matthew's gospel, The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That's Matthew six twenty two. So to be holy, first of all, we need to, it, it takes a mind change. We need to make that decision that we, we want to change. And then also it's, it's a heart change for us. And we can only attain that, attain that is when we give our life to Christ. And that's when we're washed clean through his blood and his sacrifice. So you know, man, is, holy, right. holy is a word that we don't use very much anymore. And no. I think, I, I think just a couple of weeks ago, like at our church, I think uh, one of the pastors who was preaching a couple of Sundays ago said this and, and hit on this word. Mm. Um, at least I feel like I just heard that recently. But anyway, just hearing you bring up this word, holy quack, right? It's like not a word that we use. Yeah. And nobody, nobody talks about wanting to be holy. I've never heard a new, another dude say that. Yeah. 
And in fact, if it's used at all in our culture, it's often used in a derogatory sense. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he's trying to be holy. Holier than thou. Holier than thou, right? And like, I think maybe we need to go back and look at the definition. So I think that's a strong question to throw out. You know, what is holy? Right. What does it mean? So I just uh, looked it up while you were talking, Quack. The definition Mm -hmm. of holy is dedicated or consecrated to God. Mm. And then it says the second part is devoted to the service of God. I love that the definition is it's it's solely the word holy is solely meant for God. You know, the definition Mm -hmm. isn't to be dedicated to something, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it, it's a, it, yeah, it's a 100% uh, God centered word. Yeah. Right. Um, but we, I like seeing it that it doesn't mean perfect. Cause yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we often assume in our society today is somebody is something or someone that's holy. Oh, that's like perfect. It's yeah. spotless. It's blameless. And, and I instantly feel defeat at that because I know that's not me. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what chance do I have? Yeah. Right. I feel like there's no, there's no hope of me being holy. But then when I read the definition and I see, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Yeah. It just means you're dedicated to God. It means you're set apart. You're devoted and dedicated to the service of God. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Well, when I was in college, we went around, well, it wasn't me, but somebody went around i went to a christian college and they were doing some type of video you know questions on the streets video for a chapel and that was the question what does it mean to be holy mm. so many people were like i don't know you know <laughs> yeah. like at a christian college i was like i think i got asked i was like um being godly you know it's one of those questions that's like i wasn't expecting that question like i don't know maybe i should figure it out yeah yeah and then whenever whenever we live out our faith um, it's funny because, you know, in the, in the fire service, there's, there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, just course talk sometimes around the fire department or on calls and things like that. And, um, it's, I wear my faith, you know, on my sleeve. So everybody knows, you yeah. know, what, what I believe and, and, and I, I live my life accordingly to that. And, um, it's funny that whenever I walk up, you know, the, the guys will hold, you know, hold back their tongue on, on yeah. what they're saying. And, you know, and it's because you know, they, they know that I, I do live my life to a, a, a higher standard or, or do my best to. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a, that's an example, um, you know, of how if we live our, our faith out loud, per se, then other people will then, we're now maybe not necessarily intentional or unintentional, but we're witnessing in that moment um, because they're like, man, you know, he never cusses or he never you know, does this or does that. And so. yeah, maybe we shouldn't say holy crap anymore. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? I know. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. Holy, you know, whatever. This makes me read the verse that you just read, Quack. It, it puts it in a whole new light. First Peter 1 5 through 16. I'm reading that in a whole new light now, right? Where it says, So be holy in all you do. Mm. Like instead of seeing that as an impossible standard yeah. of be perfect and all you do, that's not what it's saying, right? It's saying be dedicated to God in right. all you do. Thanks for pointing that out because since you said that, I'm going to look at that in a different light as well. That's awesome. 
now I feel like holiness is attainable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just because we we had like all this cultural baggage we put on that word. Right. That it never intended to have. Yeah. Another podcast I was I was uh, when I was trying to figure out which one to choose, um, which topic. Another one was is why do Christians have a bad name? And so I think that'd be a great podcast in the future. All right, so that was number 10, was holiness. So we're going to take a uh, quick coffee break here, and then we'll come back with Quack again, and we will uh, finish up the last two points. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. All right, welcome back. Again, this is our uh, second podcast with Quack about our roles as a father. So we're about to finish up here with our last two points from Quack. And um, just again, if you haven't listened to the first podcast that we did uh, with him, go back and check that out. So Quack, we're rolling into number 11 now. What you got for us? All right, number 11, don't be a lover of money or material possessions. So I'm just going to read 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 13. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and will take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, a man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of what eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you. That's so good. And so, so many people misquote that, too. They say, money is the root of all evil. You yeah. Know? It's like, no, it's not. That's one the of the love most... of money is the root of all evil. Money can is the root of a lot of good, the yeah. root of a lot of bad, too. But the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, Quack, I'm so glad you included this in your in your twelve. Um, this is, this is one of those things where people, people don't often understand why God would ask you to give your money. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's not that God needs your money. Yeah. Right. It's that God knows that wherever your money goes, that's where your heart follows. Right. And God wants your heart. One thing that my dad had told me that has always stuck with me is never make 
you know, your decisions as far as career decisions or whatever based solely on money. You know, he's like, don't let that be the deciding factor of what God's calling you to do. You know, it can be, it can be a factor, but don't let it be the deciding factor. Like if you feel God calling you to be a missionary, but you find out you're not going to make any money, don't let that be the decision why you don't do it, you know, or the other way, if you find a job that's going to pay you, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do whatever, but you know, that's not where God wants you. Don't go there because you can be, make all the money in the world, but you won't be, you won't be, yeah, you'll be miserable. You won't be successful, you know? So that's always stuck with me. A life lesson. Yeah, absolutely. So just a quick story for me, um, back in 2014, um, I had an opportunity to, to have two really good jobs. One was, um, the chief fire marshal from Mecklenburg County. And then the other one was to become the fire chief mm-hmm. um, here in Mel. And um, I had a choice to make. And, you know, both are really amazing opportunities. Um, but I did, I can I actually can, uh, reached out to my pastor and we talked about it. We prayed about it. I prayed about it as well. And um, ended up staying in Mount Holly, but actually for a little less money. But in that, it actually gave me the opportunity to, to begin to serve, um, serve my church. And that's how I got my start in doing mission trips and then also with the youth group um, yeah. because it freed up my Wednesdays. And that was just happened to be the days that we, um, um, that we met at youth group. Um, but, you know, I, I think just think back through that, you know, you know, if I would have based my decision on money, you know, where would I be at this day? Yeah. I had, uh, I had a similar opportunity where I was going to do some security contracting over, you know, contracting for the CIA and it was, it paid a thousand dollars a day for, but you would, you know, you'd be in country for three months, then you'd come home for like three weeks and then in country. And that was just, that was the rotation seven days a week. And we prayed about, I was in, you know, I was slotted to go and all that. And then I just felt, I think I saw somebody who was doing that. He was like retiring out and he was just like, I've never, I had a chance to talk to him. He's like, if I could do it again, I wouldn't do it. Cause I don't, I don't know my kids, you know, yeah. my wife left me. He's like, you know, you think you see these guys and they're like, that is the man. That's who I want to be. These Jason Bourne characters. You yeah. Know? And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks so good from the outside. But it's like their personal lives are, you know, they're cool to guys who don't know them, but the people that know them, they're not, they're not that great. That's such a good, that's such a good story. Yeah. Uh, and that highlights the importance of why we need to define success yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. Like what is your personal, you listener right now to this yeah. podcast, what's your personal definition of success? Yeah. Cause if it's, uh, if it's just money, yeah. well, I think you've just been challenged to reconsider that. And if you don't have one, if you haven't even thought about what your definition of success is, that's really dangerous too, because the world is going to give you their definition and you'll, you'll pursue someone else's definition. You'll end up in a place you didn't want to be. So, you know, I know for quack and I know for shadow, I know for myself, right? Like our definitions of success have more to do with peace and joy and family Uh, those, those three things are of much more importance. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, if you, if you haven't ever defined success for yourself, maybe sit down and, and write that out. 
What yeah. What is your personal definition? Write it out. Be specific. Yeah. If you don't know what you're pursuing, you're not going to get it. And talking about peace, it's like when I had to make that phone call to my recruiter and be like, uh, you can take me off the list. I'm not going to do it. You know, I didn't know if I was making the right, the right decision until after I hung up. You know, I think I think sometimes God waits to give you peace until after you make the hard decision. So you'll use faith. You so got to step I'm, out of the boat. Yeah. Sometimes everybody prays for peace before they have to make the hard decision so they know they're making the right one. But I think sometimes God waits to give you peace to see if you're going to do the right thing. And then when I hung up, I knew I'd done the right thing. So I was like, you know, I turned away to a whole different, I could have provided for my family, you know, in ways they never dreamed, but it just wasn't the right thing for sure. I needed to be here. Good. Just a quick quote from Dave Ramsey. Um, for the men, if you've never done Financial Peace University, you need to do it. Enough said. Um, but anyway, as Dave Ramsey says this, he says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Right. Yeah, I thought I that, that I thought that quote came from Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Tyler Durden. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to Could see have who came up with it first, yeah. Dave Ramsey, oh, yeah, or Tyler Durden. Dave Ramsey's definitely a Fight Club kind of guy. He probably yeah, got it's it one me. and the same. <laughs> no, man, I have always loved that quote. Yeah, wherever it came from. Yeah, whoever said it first, uh, it's so true. Absolutely. So the, the question on this one is. What do you love? Yeah. Number 12, don't be selfish. So lead as a servant. Everyone wants to be the boss, but no one wants to scrub the toilets. Hmm. Luke tells us in his gospel, in Luke 22, 25 through verse 26, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people, but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be a servant. You know, Jesus showed showed us this. Man, that's powerful words right there, bro. Mm. Um, maybe we can put it in the notes, but there's a, a skit that's done by the skit guys, and it's, it's actually of a man standing there, and God is standing behind him with a chisel and a hammer, and he starts like, you know, acting like he's chiseling away those things in his life that, you know, that are not good or not wholesome or not clean. And the man's like, oh, this is painful. And, you know, it's just a great skit. So if we could, let's throw that in the in the notes of the show just so, so guys can actually see how powerful that is. Yeah, we'll put that link in there. By leading our families and being an example to all young people, we can change the youth by fixing ourselves first. Yeah, that's so so true. You know, so many times everybody, you know, complains about the younger generation. Yeah. The all, all the kids these days type of sentiment. If you it you know, we've talked about this with uh Chief on our what right. it means to be a man podcast too, but if you've got a problem with your kids, that's your fault. Yeah. Right? We got to look at ourselves and take ownership um for what's going on with our families. And our kids, we can't outsource it. We can't blame culture. You can't blame iPhones. You can't blame TikTok. You can't blame the public school system. Yeah. You're the dad. Own it. And that's what kids, that's what kids are going to learn from the most. They're not going to listen to you preaching to them. They're going to learn from the way you live your life. You know, 
they're, that's what they're going to see and that's what's going to stick with them. They're not going to remember some chew out session you gave them of how they should be this and how they should be that. And when I was a kid, I was this and that and this and that they're not, that's not what they're going to remember. They're just going to think of all the ways that you're not that way. Yeah. You know, so just live your life. That's the point I think of everything that quack has been getting at is live your life as an example of how, you know, a Christian man should live, how God would live. That's why, you know, our creed does not say I will take charge and lead by an incredible motivational speech. Yeah. Right. right. I'll take charge and lead by. I will take charge and preach to lecture. my kids on how to be. Yeah, right. Lead right, by exactly. lecture. Lecturing. That's the no, word I've been looking for. It's a uh, lead by example. Right. Uh, we can keep our mouth shut. And, and that's definitely the hard lot. road. It's so much easier to just write up a good spiel on how life should be lived and how your kids should be. I mean, that that's the easy thing. The hard thing is actually live in the way that you you're supposed to it's not easy for sure so at the around the fire at, at lucia tribe um there's a, a saying I don't, I, i'm sure i didn't coin it but it's just something that, that came to my mind one day it says um i want to be the best you know a strong uh, father but also humble at the same time and then also for my son you know i want to model what it looks like to be a godly father right um, to be godly husband and lead my family yeah you're setting the standard whether you like it or not of what your kids are going to look for in a spouse you're setting the standard so if you're if you don't end up liking the kind of you know person that your kids end up with it's going to be well that must be what they expect you know that's what they saw out of me you set the tone for what is familiar yeah for you know and we're all attracted to whatever is familiar yeah to us and uh dads we 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 carry a big a big heavy influence over our kids when it comes to who they're going to pick as their spouse one day and what kind of spouse they're going to be themselves yeah right yep so you know, one of my favorite, um, I do, I do a lot of marriage and relationship coaching. And one of my favorite truths is that as we change ourselves and we become better men, we are changing who our kids will marry one day. Yeah. And, and that changes who our grandkids will be one day. Yeah. Right. So we can literally alter the future by getting our own act together. Right. Right. If you want better in-laws. Yeah. Fix yourself. For sure. Right. So that your kids will not be attracted to a train wreck. Yeah. You don't want a train wreck to be familiar to them. Right. Yeah. If you're the dad that's sitting on the couch all day watching TV and eating ice cream and yelling at people. Do you think there's ever that's those, what that's those, what they're going to be? Is there ever those rogue situations, though, where a parent has done everything right and their kid just goes off and mar- or does that is that not a thing? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim a definitive knowledge on that. Right. Yeah. But I think it's, uh, cause I think, I mean, so many parents do say that though, that will say, yeah. I did everything right. Of course, you know? everybody's going to say, yeah, that. I did everything <laughs> right. I don't know what happened. It's like, oh, but what does the sure. Bible say? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, Bible says their errors in their statement. Yeah. I did everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. 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 So the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're yeah. old, they will not depart from it. Yeah. Um, so, in light of my own ignorance and I don't know the answer to your question, I'll just go with that. Yeah. I'll just defer to that's what the Bible says. And, and none of us are perfect, right? This is not coming from any kind of a place of judgment. None of us are perfect. 
and I'm not perfect and my kids aren't perfect. Um, so this is not a contest to see who has the best kids. Uh, right. This is about point number 12, right? Is don't be selfish. Don't make it about you. Be a servant leader the way Jesus was. Yeah. So what about, um, I love t-shirts. It's just one of those things I like to, I'll, I'll wear my faith on my chest or on my back. And one of the greatest ones that I've, that I've owned, unfortunately, I discontinued it. So I'm going to have to make it myself. But it says, I'm not the man I ought to be, but thank God I'm not the man that I used to be. Yeah. And I, I say that is because, you know, as men, at some point, we need to draw that line in the sand and say, you know what? It's time for me to step up and actually live my life the way that I should. And, you know, the, the, to start that is literally just taking that first step. And it's a journey. It's not, uh, it's not a sprint, but it's, it's a marathon. It just, it takes time to start from, you know, from, uh, I'm now 45 years old. I rededicated my life back when I was 34. And I look back to who I was at 34 to who I am now. And I'm a completely different person. And I yeah. thank God for that. Yeah, I heard something the other day. It was similar to that. It was like, who you are is God's gift to you. Who you become is your gift to God. So it's like... I like that. Yeah, strive to live a better life as a as a thank you note, you know, to Jesus. Awesome. Um, kind of like the last point here, um, and I've kind of hit on it already. I said, the time is now to begin training for the future. You can't wait until you're married to begin. Um, no matter what age, a young man must begin to walk out the traits that will direct him for years to come. Following our Lord's example, we must grow in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And that's Luke 2.52. Man, that was great. Um, Quack, I really appreciate you sharing these with us. This has been a great uh, double episode of your of your. Um, 12 points, you know, to make us better fathers and leaders of, of youth, right? Maybe it's not your kids. Maybe you're just influencing, you know, other young men, right? That aren't even yours as, as men, whether they're your kids or not, we're, we're setting the example for the next generation. And I really appreciate you taking the time and putting this together packed with a lot of scripture. That was, that was really fantastic. I'm glad you shared that with us. And we definitely want to have you do another podcast with us soon. Uh, I think this worked out really well, uh, having you dial in for this. And um, we want to do a, a, a podcast where you just share your personal story too so people get to know you a little bit better. So maybe we'll look to do that one soon. For sure. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, man. All right. That was uh, Quack uh, joining in from North Carolina. Always a pleasure to see new tribes launching in different states. Like I mentioned uh, two weeks ago um, on the first part of this podcast, we're wanting to do episodes with our tribesmen, telling their stories, telling their testimonies, sharing their devotions uh, from all of our tribes, no matter what state you're in. So reach out to us, info at mensalliancetribe.com, where we can... um, where we can get you on this podcast the way we did Quack today. Yeah, and where are you where exactly are you from, Quack, and where are your tribes that are close to you? All right, so we are just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, our church is located in Stanley, 
So we're Lucia Tribe 1 and 2. Um, big announcement. We're going to be launching a third tribe soon. Sweet. Sweet. So if you are in that area, please go check out one of the Lucia Tribes for sure. They're yep. there for you. You can reach out to us and we can connect you to Quack. Yeah. Also, there's there's one in Denver, North Carolina, and there's two in Dallas, North Carolina. And also there's one in Hickory, North Carolina, too. Dang. Anything else? Man, I love wow. it. So we're really excited about what God's doing uh, through Men's Alliance in North Carolina and, uh, and in all these different states that we're launching in. So, um, man, just keep us prayed up, I would ask right? Um, God's really growing men's Alliance. We're going to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks as we hit into uh, December and getting close to finishing up 2022. I'll be sharing some really big news with you about some stuff going on, but just keep praying for us and, uh, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.